Hi, I'm John Plesnick, and you are listening to Train the Church. This is a podcast produced by Faith Bible Church in Murrieta, California. At FBC, we provide three years of biblical training for laymen to equip them to do the work in the church God has made them for. We call that the training center. And today, I thought we'd talk specifically about how training for ministry is frequently misunderstood. Uh, I oversee the training center, serve as a pastor at Faith Bible Church, and seated around the table with me is Chris Mueller, the teaching pastor at Faith Bible Church, who's got more than 30 years' experience in training men. Yeah, I love training men. Uh, My wife walked by one time when I had a bunch of collegians in my living room and she said, honey, you need to do this the rest of your life. So I've been trying to be faithful to that task of just uh, trying to invest into guys. It's been probably one of the greatest delights uh, apart from a couple other things in my life. And so uh, it's great to be here, John. Also, Nigel Shaler, the... uh who's also a pastor here at Faith Bible Church, who previously ran the Shepherd's Bible College in New Zealand and was focused on equipping uh, believers there. Yeah, one of the greatest joys, I'm like Chris and like you, John, just seeing guys develop uh, in ministry and to grow in confidence in lay ministry and their function in the church is one of the greatest things. Just Absolutely. A, 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 awesome joy to watch people develop. Yeah. That. we uh, We've run, I think, the training center for about 10 years, give or take. We're coming up on our fifth graduating class, maybe sixth. And uh, we often now have men who come in. There's a guy coming tonight. We meet with men who've got questions about training men for ministry. And as we talk with them, I just want you to reflect a little bit and think about uh, how do you see the pastor's view of training men frequently misunderstood? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with the form and the target that people are looking at pastors in particular, what they're trying to do is maybe train new elders or they're trying to capture the hearts of some young men to possibly give themselves to ministry or to see them grow in such a way that they could be influential for Christ. And they've kind of lost a little bit of the perspective of what they're actually going to do. They, they tend to focus on the form and the curriculum and not necessarily the target of what they're trying to accomplish. So you'll have guys that'll say, well, let's have a breakfast, you know, and we'll just do a weekly breakfast or a monthly breakfast and we'll preach at them or bring in speakers. It'll be awesome. And that's why we'll train our men. And that really does a wonderful job of encouraging men of many times uh, helping them to network with other men, which is great. There is a sense of stability that can come from that, but you're really not going to train men for ministry on a monthly breakfast. That's like a pancake and sausage discipleship. Correct. And so it's helpful, but it's not necessarily sufficient. And then the real task uh, that I tend to be asked all the time is, well, what's your curriculum? What's your curriculum? What are you doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, wait, there's something more that you're missing here. Uh, If I was to, again, hand someone the playbook to the Green Bay Packers and made them memorize the playbook, that would not make them a great Green Bay Packer. That would make them someone who knew the playbook of the Green Bay Packers, and they maybe have it really down. Maybe they could even run the plays, but they've got to work out. They've got to train with the team. They've got to mesh with the other players. They've got to uh, run the plays again and again and again and again, and that tends to be a little bit more like training than the normal form that we see. Uh, we, We tend to see someone who's receiving good content from God's Word, whether it's preached at them or taught at them in a classroom, but there's not a lot of actually ministry practice 
that goes on in the process, that men are actually taking the truth and then applying it and being coached in that process. Uh, it's more like an athletic event if you really get it down to it as far as training. And so in the training center, what we tried to develop was a process where men could be coached and practiced. And so our gatherings, uh, though there is a lot of content, a lot of review, they're actually being coached and practiced in the process of living life, of ministry, of ministering to their wives, of influencing others evangelistically, etc. Yeah, I mean, you can understand a young pastor, he's recently out of seminary, and he's come out with a whole uh, set of seminary notes that his professors gave to him. And those notes and his course of study have had a huge impact on his life. Mm -hmm. And he's thinking, well, this is good material. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to pass it on to the next generation of elders at my new church. And sometimes these young pastors, they get to their church and they're looking often at a group of elders who have been in place for years and and they're godly guys sometimes, sometimes not. Uh, but a uh, young pastor is looking at, well, how do I plan for the future? How do I get a new group of guys coming through who can be the next generation of elders and leaders in this church? And they want to do that quickly. And the, the easiest way for them is, is to take their seminary notes and to reteach it to these new guys. And so you can understand that that's kind of their go-to platform. It's what they're going to do. Well, it's yeah. the material they exited seminary with, yeah. right? And yeah. they, I, I agree, like they often choose sometimes classes that impacted them the most and sometimes sure. ones that didn't, uh, but just they think the guys need. Their approach is academic rather than sure. pastoral. Academic and th uh, theological, which mm -hmm. is, of course, a necessary component in leadership, you want your guys, you want your elders to be on the same page theologically. So there is content that needs to drive this often. Um, but theology is just one piece of the puzzle. There's way more to it than yeah, that. Yeah, they, they desperately need the word and they desperately need sound theology. We've got to give that to them. But the mode in which we give it to them and how this is carried on in the training of men is sometimes missed the point. We, we tend to train the way we were trained. So if we went to seminary, well, then we're going to go through that. If you do the math, though, on that, that's anywhere from 10 to 15 years to get through the curriculum that you got through when you were doing it full time to a bunch of laymen. And so it's going to be a very frustrating process, and not many laymen will stick it out. In, in that kind of process. Well, and the ambition of seminary is to put out men who not just are pastors, but typically who are going to be preachers. Mm -hmm. And so what you're doing with your content at that point is really you're driving at a target that you don't desire most typically if the guy actually stops and thinks about it for the guys he's investing into. He's not trying to create a bunch of them to be preachers with a few exceptions. Well, Lord willing, some of them will be, but that's not the majority of your men. Right. It, there's going to be some who might rise up in that, and those are unusual. Uh, they're weird. And so they're going to be different, but not the general layman. And so to take that same process that you were trained under and then to communicate that with them is somewhat self-defeating. You've got to think differently. You've got to think layman. So layman, if you can, and again, I'm jumping into the solution here, <laughs> is stop it yeah. <laughs> going too fast uh, ultimately you've got to think about the idea of how do we help them to study 
in their time, with the time that they have, in their lifestyle, and then coach them and rehearse them and walk them through it and make sure they get it right and make sure they understand it right, make sure they apply it right, make sure they live it right. And so there's that element of if they can get up before their family and you know, stay up a little later than after the family goes to bed, they can use little moments if their job facilitates this. And some do, some don't, and some allow this and some don't. But if they can you know, work during their lunch period to study, if they, or they're driving in the car, can rehearse some, some things that they've even recorded themselves listening back to what they're doing uh, as they're studying through material, then, then they actually can be prepared to have their study done and then come to class. We call that the flipped classroom. You know, that it's uh, like how you study in Harvard Law. You study everything, you go to class, and then the professor basically rips you to shreds trying to help you to apply what, everything that you've learned co- according to the law. We would do the same thing with the Bible and sound theology and ministry. And so our process would be that they've worked all this out. Now we're going to test them in the process of the classroom, review it, hammer it, clarify it, and go through that process so that they're actually using their regular lifestyle and fitting in all the study. We have expectations, books that they read. I mean, there's, there's one semester that they're reading anywhere from 13 to 17 books, but they're doing it within their free spaces of life before they come to our, you know, once a week meeting. So when we're talking about, so how is training misunderstood? What I'm hearing you all say is often guys have the wrong target in mind. They're aiming for the wrong thing. I think honestly, sometimes guys also have no target. They feel like they should be investing. They know that they don't like where the guys are at. It's their responsibility to, to invest into them, but they don't necessarily have an end goal. There's never a time when the training's over. They just feel like they should be doing something. Right. So what what's the right target? What 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 should they be aiming for? What's the the five year plan for for men? Yeah, I mean, you you want men to be all that God has designed them to be and you want them to function in the church the way God intended them to function. So that's going to be according to their spiritual gifts. It's also going to involve for those men to know their strengths and weaknesses and who they need to have around them to be effective in ministry. It's, it's a very holistic view of who that guy is. Often guys don't know how God designed them to function in the church. And so you're trying to help them discover who they are in, in the church. And, uh, and it takes a long time to do that. Often uh, guys think they're something or they're gifted in some way and they figure out years down the road that it's entirely <laughs> different. Mm-hmm. The last thing you want is someone who thinks that they're a preacher but isn't to end up preaching. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that would be one third of your seminary class. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or more. You, you, the, the target is not to make them like you or to make them like me. The, the, the target is to help them discover how God gifted them to minister. Yeah. We like to use the term sovereign target or sovereign calling. Like Paul was chosen to do what he did. Jeremiah was called a prophet before that, and, you know, he was actually born, and um, Jesus even tells us through the Apostle Paul that it's God who makes overseers. In other words, we don't really have a good theology when we look at men in training. If we had a good theology, we would recognize that God has already sovereignly called them to do a particular task, Ephesians 2.10, that they would fulfill the good works that God's prepared beforehand, that they should walk in them. And 
we, we really don't look at it that way. We're trying to make them into something. We're actually trying to help them discover what God's already made them. That would be a sound theology so that they could live the rest of their life in how God designed them. And it may be that they're a pastor teacher or an elder or a deacon or a missionary. It may be that they're just an incredible, unique lay leader or someone who has a you know creative genius, but also administrative. And so he becomes a children's pastor, a lay children's pastor like we have in our church. And so there's this context of we're looking at them going, what did God make you to be? And so we're looking at not just their spiritual gifts, that's a big part of it, but their heart for God, their abilities, their personality, uh, their, um, their experiences, all that has brought this about. We're trying to help them to figure out their unique fit within the kingdom of God, within the church of Jesus Christ, but also beyond the church of Christ. How are they made? What are they supposed to accomplish? Paul was trying to preach the gospel to you know, all the Gentiles where Christ has never been known, you know, and so what is their calling? What is their unique purpose on the planet? Trying to help them discover that. And we do that through constant investment, constant relationship, discipleship within the context of training, preaching, teaching, study, uh, interaction with their wives, interaction with one another, having all the men in the room investing into each other, uh, all those different elements. We, we try every educational system possible, you know, the the giving of uh, exams, which they're most familiar with, then writing papers, and then giving presentations, then having debates, then arguing over issues together, uh, then interacting with one another and trying to appreciate how everybody else is built and discovering that together in that process. Now we're training them, training the target to figure out how God made them. And so, so training then is not just teaching content. We know that much. Yep. The target is to help them to discover how God them designed them to minister. Correct. And it takes a long time to do it. Yep. This is not like a, a one semester or even a one year. In fact, isn't it, it's funny, I think, we have our guys in training center kind of evaluate one another early on in the mm -hmm. process. And it's interesting because they often, they, they show that they don't know each other well enough to be able to do that well and they get it wrong. Mm -hmm. But over the three-year process, they start to refine their understanding of each other and they become better and better able to give the feedback that's necessary to give someone direction for their life and ministry. Yeah, so one of the keys we've already exposed is that to have them do their work and their study, which can be pretty intense outside the context of the classroom, so that when they come to the classroom, it becomes more of a practice field and a rehearsing field. Another element to this process is to have the men stay together for a longer period of time. One of the misnomers of my Bible and seminary education was I was with different men all the time, and some I really connected with and really had an, a huge investment <clears throat> into my life as well as that classroom, as well as that professor. But if we could have the men minister together and meet together on a consistent basis for a long period of time, then that can create uh, a real strong mutual investment and appreciation of how God has made each man in that room. And we continue to try to cultivate that. And that's really one of the things that makes this system work. And again, I'll tell people, look, this is just one way to do this. I mean, training can take many different expressions, but it should be training. Training has this idea of, I know what the truth is, I'm learning the truth, I'm hearing the truth, but I'm practicing the truth. Jesus sent his men out two by two. He constantly asked them questions. 
He was living with them in this process. His training technique was flawless. And so as much as we can get to what he did with these men, the better off we're going to be. So we look at him as the ultimate model. And so that's why in our training center, we'd have guys eat together before they show up. We just have a meal. And it's not just because you know dinner needs to happen so they can pay attention. It's that we can gather together and interact with one another, and they can begin to appreciate each other. We hang around afterwards as long as we dare and as long as we're still not asleep or wiped out uh, to talk ministry, to talk family, to talk issues in their lives, character issues, that kind of thing. So training is a life on life, and it's content and preaching and teaching and interaction and two-by-two, and it's ministry experience. Mm -hmm. So... We've made a commitment that as they start the training center in the foundational year, that they have to be in ministry every week, not any kind of ministry, but every week. It's got to be faithful. They got to be diligent. They got to be consistent. By the time we start training them to be shepherds, they've got to be teaching and discipling and shepherding. So we use that four, six, 24, teaching four times, discipling six people, and shepherding 24 people. And then in the last year, as they're being trained in leaders, they have to be leading a ministry in order to be a part of that so that we're training them, and they're a little bit more desperate to find out how that works. Yeah, now, you're moving into the how more and more. So I let's, know. let's dial back just a little bit. I can't dial back. I know. <laughs> so one of the uh, things that you were describing sounded a lot like discipleship. We've already talked about discipleship previously. How are training and discipleship different? Like, what's the distinction you see between those? Well, in discipleship, you're having an intentional relationship for the purpose of growth in Christ, to come to Christ, become like Christ in the context of the church. So it's intentional relationships. And that would be a part of training, having intentional relationships with the men that you're investing in. But training would go beyond that in the sense of there would be a a curriculum of understanding of God's Word. So and, it is about the material. Yeah, well, partially. <laughs> uh, the problem is, is that everybody sees that as the end result, and it's actually just part of the process of them understanding. they got to get the Word of God down. They've got to get sound theology down. And the way that they learn that is to use their time throughout the week, you know, around their family, around their job, you know, their free moments, and then they show up to class and we beat them up. We rehearse them, we, struck, we, we review, we go through those things together to drive that truth home. But discipleship has this element of this relational commitment where training has an idea of practicing, rehearsing uh, expectations within the context of ministry in the church. It has a, an idea of learning together in this context of how I serve Christ, how I minister, what, I'm, what am I here on this planet for? So it has that particular target to it. Discipleship would be, I want you to grow to be more like Christ. So it's a part of that. So is preaching. So is teaching. So, uh, you know, so are the, the different elements of the one another's within the context of the body of Christ. So all those are involved, but we've got to be moving them towards the idea of, I'm putting this into practice, and I'm rehearsing this over and over and over again. So if you're thinking about um, discipleship, I think Colossians 1.28, preaching, you know, all of that, we proclaim Christ so that every man might be fully mature in Christ. There's a real sense in which we're never going to be perfected until Christ returns. Is there a time when training is done? Like, how do you know when you've 
got someone trained. We know in discipleship, we can say like, well, you're never fully like Christ. You can always grow. You can always mature. Is training the same way or is it different? Is there a time when you're like, eh, we're done? Well, yes and no. There's a an element to training that is like parenting, where you're equipping your children so that they live under the authority of the Word of God. And once they do, you know, your investment into them is still, you have relationship with them, there's still encouragement, there's honor going back and forth, there's treasuring of that relationship and the sweetness of that. But they don't live in your house anymore. You know, they're out living on their own. And training has to have a, an element of you stand now independently on Christ's sufficiency, and you're now investing into other people. You're now um, not in that process of being equipped, but you're equipping others. And you move into a different phase of training and development and discipleship. It just takes a different picture. Yeah, and discipleship. I mean, none of us are perfect. We're not like Christ yet. There's always areas to grow and learn and mature. In training, what you're looking to do is get a, a person to a point of competency where they can minister in the church and be able to do that with good theology, good Bible knowledge, and and some confidence. Now, you can get a guy there and then move on to start training someone else. That doesn't mean that guy is perfect. It doesn't mean like he's, he's like Christ. He's not the perfect minister yet. He's still got some growing to do, but at least you've at- achieved the target. You've got him to a point of competency. That's the goal, I think. Hmm. Well, that's super helpful. Uh, I think that's enough for today. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, our next episode, we're going to talk a lot more on who should be trained for ministry, what sort of man you should look for. I think you're actually going to be a little surprised by some of the answers. Uh, and we hope you'll join us again. If you want to be notified of when the next episode drops, hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to automatically download future episodes. If you want to learn more about FBC, you can visit us at www.faith-bible.net. You'll see uh, contact uh, ways to contact all three of us. And if you want to learn more about the training center, you can go to www.tc-intl.org. Till then, keep investing into the church. Thanks, John. Thanks, guys.